0: Welcome to the New Vision Church podcast. New Vision Church is a diverse, Bible-teaching, Jesus-centered church in San Diego, California, and exists to transform people and their communities by replicating followers of the biblical Jesus. Thanks for joining us today. Now here's this week's sermon. Good morning. Good to see you. Hey, guys, I don't know if you noticed, but there's a lot going on. Just on those announcements, like if you say you can't find a place to get somewhere and get to know somebody, shame on you. Okay, so I want to encourage you to, to find a spot somewhere. There's men's ministry, women's ministry, there's a chili cook off next week. Um, there's a lot of things happening here that we want you to get connected. They're just fellowship times. Come today if you want to just hang out and watch the game to meet new people. Um, if you're new, go Chiefs. Yeah, okay, okay, we're, we're gonna start a battle here in the in the church. Hey, if if you're here new uh, or been coming for a bit, um, thank you for coming. Um, we got a. a Uh, welcome center. We have a gift for you. But more than that, today after church, we're going to have a meal after church for everybody. But if you're here, and I would just love to grab a pizza with the pastor. So we're going to meet across the hall over here in the uh, big city area. Just want to have some time with you. I get to know you, get to know me. Guys, I just like to connect faces with names. You know, a lot of times I see a lot of people coming and going, and I just don't get an opportunity just to get to know you, get to know me. So I just want to invite you all to come. Grab, you know, We have pizza already ready for you over there if you're new, or maybe you've been coming a couple of weeks and just want to know a little bit about who we are. Uh, I just want to invite you to come and be a part of that. Guys, as you notice that we've been going through the Gospel of John, been journeying through it for a while. We'll, it'll take us through Easter. But I don't know if you notice that um, every week I actually write questions out. And if you're interested in getting those questions, um, you just got to write Pastor Mark M. White at newvision.city. And he'll send you questions each week on the text that I'm preaching on. So you could study at home and read through it and you could have it. So just write M. White at newvision.city and uh, he'll send you, he'll put you on the email list for you guys just to get the word. My heart is that as you're studying the word, that the word's going through you. And I'm giving you the questions on the text that I'm going to preach on, not after. I wanted you to understand that you can study the word yourself, that you can read it yourself, that God can speak to you, and that I'm hoping that as I teach it, it might just already confirm some things in you that the Lord is already speaking to you. And sometimes, a lot of times, we'll do it after. But I don't want you to regurgitate what I've already told you. I want the Lord to give you fresh manna. I want the Lord to speak to you so you can hear from him. And I want to teach you how to do that. So that's what we're doing. So again, if you want to get weekly questions from us, um, we also do this at our uh, life, uh, life groups that meet throughout the week. it be our home groups. If you want to be a part of that, we have that. They go over those questions, and they have that. So amen. Hey, turn to John, the 16th chapter. John 16. Um, we're starting chapter 16. We've been journeying through the gospel of John. All right, we're going to be a look at 1 through 15 this morning. My message title is To Your Advantage, uh, To Your Advantage. And we're going to be looking and going through the 16th chapter because it's a continuation of what Jesus has already been speaking on since John really 14. He's really been given a monologue here. And so we're going to finish off chapter 16 is actually a finishing of this monologue and sharing with the disciples but I want you to understand the thing. If you talk about this to your advantage, you can gain by losing. You can gain by losing. And that is what Jesus is doing this morning when he speaks out of John 16, right? In life, we have to be willing to give something up in order to get something. In fact, he commands us to take up our cross and follow him. Meaning we have to put to death some things in order to gain some things. And so there is winning and losing sometimes. I often think about chess, right? Chess In the chess game, there's a strategy. And sometimes you have to sacrifice some of the, some of the or pawns or key pieces in the game in order to be in the position of victory. Jesus was the, the key player in God's strategic plan, and he needed to be sacrificed for the Spirit to come, in order for his kingdom agenda to progress to a higher victory. Sometimes we think loss in our life is a setback, but it's God's really preparing us for a comeback. In fact, Jesus appears to be set back when he's crucified at the cross, but as a resurrection is his comeback. Guys, as we're continuing on in John chapter 16, Jesus is in a monologue. He's sharing with his disciples, they've been in an upper room. He's shared that he's got to go. He shares with them that don't let your heart be troubled in John 14. He's beginning to share about communion. He's sharing about, you know, to to that I've got to go that another will come. We're going to get into that a little bit this morning. He's already bore testimony that somebody's going to betray him. He's already going to say, when they strike me, you're all going to scatter. He's sharing all these things, and that's why their heart has been troubled in John 14. But then in John 15, what does he do? He begins to equate, say, in order to not lose heart, you need to have this abiding relationship with me. For I am uh, the vine, and you are the branches. And in me, you'll bear much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. And he's beginning to share, you got to stay close to me because there's a time coming. But by the time you get to John 16, he's already exited out of an upper room as he's been dialoguing and sharing these things. And he's, he's walking through, uh, heading toward the Garden of the Gesen. He's probably overlooking the Kidraw Valley. He's already sees there's vineyards there. And he's looking, and he's, he's beginning to continue on. he says, now I'm going to share some things, guys, that I'm going to go that another would come, but it's for your benefit, it's for your advantage that I go. But I'm also going to give you warning that something's going to happen to you that you have to be prepared for that you don't stumble. That you don't fall. I'm going to have to give you something now, because look at, as I leave, it's going to get a little harder. Come. On. And he's going to share these things with the disciples. And so the further he draws to the cross, he realizes the sacrifice that's going to be taking place. He realized that as I go, as I was the targeted one, as they're going to persecute me, I'm going to leave, and now you're going to be the targeted one. Come on, come on. And so he's beginning to lay this. God is not going to hold back any of these things. God never lies to us. He never keeps things in the dark. As I think of Moses who went to the mountain and he spoke to Moses face to face as a friend. We know in John 15, he says that we are his friend. And so Jesus is being a friend to the disciples, speaking to him about what is about to come because that's what friends do. They speak the truth in love. And so he's speaking this truth here this morning. And as we go through the passage, we're going to see that truth being laid out for us that whatever went the disciples went through, you, we're not exempt from that same trials or tribulations or persecutions. Let's look at John 16. We're looking at 1 through 15. If you have your Bibles or your phones or whatever you use, iPads, it says, These things I have spoken to you that you should not be made to stumble. They'll put you out of the synagogue. Yes, the time is coming that whoever kills you will think that he offers God's service. And these things they will do to you because they have not known the Father nor me. But these things i told you that when the time comes, you may remember that I told you of them. And these things I did not say to you at the beginning because I was with you. But now I go away to him who sent me. And none of you ask me, where are you going? But because I have said these things to you, sorrow has filled your heart." Nevertheless, I tell you the truth, it is to your advantage that I go away. For, I, for if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I depart, I will send him to you. And when he has come, he will convict the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment. Of sin, because they do not believe in me. Of righteousness, because I go to my father and you see me no more. Of judgment, because the ruler of this world is judged. I sell have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. However, when he, the spirit of truth has come, he will guide you into all truth for he would not speak of his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak and he will tell you things to come. He will be glorified. He will glorify me for he will take of what is mine and declare it to you. All things that the father has are mine. Therefore, I said that he will take of mine and declare it to you. Let's pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, we come this morning asking that you open our hearts and our minds that your spirit would speak because your spirit does speak. And I pray this morning as your people are here this morning, your church, your bride, Lord, are here this morning. I pray that they have listening ears and receiving ears because the teachings that will come are going to be hard to hear, but we need to hear them. And so I pray this morning that we have a settled heart and a settled mind. That, Father, you want to do a great work in this room right now, Lord. I believe that, I'm expecting that, and so I pray now that your word and the teaching of the word will glorify you in Jesus' name. And everybody said, "Amen." Amen. Amen. First thing, I'm going to talk about two things this morning. Here's the first thing: hardship is to your advantage. Hardship is to your advantage. We don't like to go through hard things. We don't like to go through difficult things. We don't like to go through trials and tribulations. For some of you guys that work out, you go work out, right? And then after you do 10 pushups, it's hurt you, I'm I'm done. You don't do it no more. We don't like the pain of it. I remember when I I, I came to faith, I was 17, about to turn 18, I was heading my way to Whittier College to play football. I I got some scholarship, I was on my way there. And that summer I came to know the Lord and God was doing this crazy work inside of Pete who came from just kind of a messed up background some you know my story but God was doing some changing I was growing in my faith I was learning and so I went to Whittier for a year, played football, but God was moving me to leave Whittier to go uh, to a Christian college because I want to learn more and grow in my faith and grow deeper with God. And so I chose to leave. But my family, who didn't, doesn't, didn't have a believing background, didn't, didn't be really follow God or whatever, were really troubled in their own heart because something was happening with Pete. He was acting different. He wasn't drinking. He wasn't partying. He wasn't doing all the crazy, stupid stuff he was doing. He wasn't coming home drunk. He wasn't fighting with them. He wasn't doing any of those things. And I, I told them that I want to leave Whittier, and I want to go to a Christian college and learn about God. Well, all hell broke loose when I told them that. They said, if you go do that, that we will not support you. We will not fund you to the college. We will, if you stay at Whittier, we'll take care of your finances, you need. But if you go there, we're not going to do it. And God better be real. I told God, God, you better be real right now. Because at 18 years old, I left my home. I went to follow Jesus, and I went to a Bible college, not really. I don't know how my rent was going to be paid. I don't know how things were going to happen. I don't know how I was going to pay for school. But I knew that God was leading me to that thing. And that that was a very hard time and a a difficult time for me because I said, God, I, I believe in you. I trust you in light of my family who did not support that decision. Hard Hard things are difficult, but it's to our, to our advantage. I believe that as I went by faith and I went that I was able to graduate five years later debt-free because God took care of that finance for me to go to college and go to Baba college and, and, and get my education. I remember showing my dad my my. Receipt for, for, for my first year of college and I shared them to him. And said, Look, this is what God did, trying to bear witness to him about what God had done. He goes, oh, no, no, no. God didn't do that. You just worked hard. <laughs> Isn't that our theology of our own selfish, righteous work theology in our world? No, you work hard, you get it. But he didn't realize that God was providing funding that I didn't have. God was opening up doors that I didn't have. God was doing all these different things. I believe that decision for them To not support me allowed me to be grounded in my faith to trust him in all things. So when Julia and I were able to plant this church in 2008, the reason I believe that he did, we went with no money with nothing because in my life, in my walk with God, I've always seen God provide along the way no matter what. In the difficult times, in the hard times, he always oh, provided for me. And I said, my God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And so if I go and trust him now, because I know when I was 18, I trusted him and he provided. I know when I was in 20s, he trusted him, he provided my 30s for. We keep going because I'm a little older than that. <laughs> but the reality is, is I believe that God is a faithful God. Come on. But I would have never learned that if I had not gone through hard, troubled times. And I believe God is faithful. When you get to John 16, what you're finding here is Jesus is going to be speaking about some hard times that disciples are going to face, right? And so he says, Don't lose your way in your hardship. We see that in verses one and two. It says, These things I've spoken to you that you should not be made to stumble, they will put you out of synagogues. And yes, the time is coming that whoever kills you will think he offers God service. He says, These things I have spoken to you. He says, these things I'm sharing to you. I'm going to tell you some things that are going to happen in advance so you're aware of it. But do not let these things stumble you. Do not let these things offend you. Do not let these things make you want to tap out. Guys, I'm telling you, when you put your faith in Jesus and these hard times come, and they will come. It's not if they come, it's when they will come. Because they will come. And when they come here, guys, you, you got to stay focused. You got to stay committed. In fact, he uses the word stumble here. He says that you should not be made to stumble or offended. The word stumble is not the idea of tripping over something. Like, you know, you're walking the forest, and you trip over a log. That's not the idea of stumbling here. It's actually the idea of a booby trap. That there's an enemy who's going to set a trap for you that you could be ensnared like a, like a bear trap. He goes, these things are gonna trap you. And sometimes, guys, it's a, it's something that comes out, it's unexpected. We didn't see it happening. We didn't, we weren't planning on it, or it, it happened suddenly. But don't let those sudden hardships stumble you. Don't let those sudden hardships you trip over and fall away. You know, life circumstances can throw us curveballs, right? Unexpected situations, bad news, lost of loved one, loss of a job, a troubled family. Victims of violence, you fill in the blanks of your life. There are trials in life that we will face. But Jesus is not talking about the difficulties of trials of life here. He's talking about the attacks that will come because of your faith. Come on, come on. Everybody faces trials, saved or unsaved. Those follow Jesus and don't, they all face trials, right? It rains on the just and the unjust. Okay, so but he's saying here, there's a, there's a, a heavier thing that's going to happen for those that come to follow God, that there's going to be difficulties that come just because of your faith. I think of Jesus when he got on a boat to go to the, to, to the Gethsemane and the, the tombs. He went through a storm in order to get to the tombs to heal the demonics that were in those tombs. That he went through a storm, a trial difficult. I don't believe that it was a, a storm of trials. I believe it was a demonic influence of the enemy saying, I got to destroy this Jesus who's going to go deliver some people. That Jesus was even going go through, to go through his own difficulties in order to fulfill his ministry as he's obedient to his father. Mm. See, we have an enemy who will set booby traps in order to shipwreck us from our faith. Come on. Come on. You know what? I'm going to tell you something. He might even dress up as your own family. Oh, my, my, my. He might even dress up. I remember when, when I was trying to walk with God and my, my family was giving me the hard time about my faith. A, a couple of years later, they invited me to come to a Christmas party and uh, I hadn't seen them. I'd been estranged to them because of my faith, but my dad said, I really want you to come. We used to have these parties. My family used to have parties, so I, I showed up there. And You know, when, you, when, when you're walking with Jesus, you, every opportunity is an opportunity, and I'm there, and sure enough, I see a lot of family members and friends are at the party, and they're like, hey, Pete, what are you doing with yourself? Well, let me tell you. <laughs> and I'm, I'm at a party, and I'm just sharing people about Jesus. This was going on in my life. Yeah. My parents got upset. Hey, you can't be proselytizing at the party. <laughs> they asked me what I do. <laughs> I'm just answering their questions. And they got mad at me and upset with me. And the funny thing was all the family friends said, hey, don't get mad at Pete. We just asked him what he was doing hey, I took advantage and took most of the opportunity that was given me to share about the goodness of God. And yet you could still be attacked by that, but your own family, it says in Matthew 10, 34 and 36, is do not think that I've come to bring peace on earth. I do not come to bring peace, but a sword. For I've come to set a man against his father, a daughter against his mother, a daughter-in-law against his mother-in-law, and a man's enemies will be those of his own household. Jesus is speaking saying, your enemies might even be the closest to you. People you thought even thought you loved you could be your own enemies. Who was the enemy in the apostles? Judas, who's already gone to betray Jesus, his own enemy, his own in the own of the brotherhood of the disciples and the apostles. But what he was saying is, like I'm writing to you, you don't tell me that you don't abandon, you don't you, do, you don't come abandoned or abandoned from the faith, right? Listen. Jesus is saying, look at when you start following me, you're not gonna be affirmed by the world because of your faith. You're not gonna be affirmed by the world because of your faith, right? We have a lot of affirmations on social media, right? You say something, oh, yeah, thumbs up. <laughs> but somebody gives you a thumb down, you're like, oh, you just, world's just rocked, right? You got thousands of yes, but one thumb down and oh, I can't believe it. Because we get our affirmation from the world instead of our affirmation from God. And what we see here, he says, I'm telling you, the work that you're going to do as disciples is not going to be affirmed and applauded by this world. In fact, he says, they're going to kick you out of the synagogue. They're going to kick you out of the church. You're going to be excommunicated because of your faith. You read the story about the blind man earlier in John chapter 6 who was blind from birth. They don't say, was it because of sin or not? And he, he says, I don't know. But He said, no, but it's for the glory of God. And we know that Jesus comes, heals the blind man. And everybody's like blown away. Isn't this the blind man that was healed? And they're asking the religious leaders, who did this? When did this happen? And the the religious leaders, they go to the parents of the blind man. Isn't this your son who was blind? And he goes, they go, yeah. and they, Well, how did this happen? And this says they were afraid to tell what's happened because they were afraid they were going to get kicked out of the synagogue or kicked out of the church. And so they didn't even answer that question. They said, well, why don't you just go ask him? <laughs> you know, our traditions can hinder us from really the spirit of God. Come on, come on. Like, sometimes we have traditions in the church that are practiced that are not even required in the Bible. But yet, these are the things that we get caught up and hold on to, and we think our traditions or our labels or our denominations or whatever it is is what save us, and that's far from the truth. I don't care if you're Catholic, Baptist, Lutheran, Presbyterian, Pentecostal, I don't care. Unless you have a relationship with God, you're far from God. It's not the denomination. I'm not committed to my denomination. I'm committed to Jesus. I'm a, I, I'm a follower of the way because he is the way, right? And she says, someone will be kicked out. I find it interesting that Jesus got blasted for hanging out with tax collectors and sinners and drunkards and everything. The disciples were excommunicated when they follow Jesus, right? But not only will you be excommunicated or, or be an outcast, in fact, you might even be killed for it. Mm. Because he says here, what he says, that some of you will be, will be murdered and thinking they're doing a service to God. Like I'm doing God, I'm, I'm doing the work of God, I'm zealous for God, right? I'm gonna kill in the, in the name of God. You know, some countries today, you can die for your faith in some countries. Uh-huh. That I, You can't go preach Jesus publicly in some countries, communist countries, places in these countries, that there's an underground church because it's so intense that you can die for your faith. Come on, come on. Some Muslim countries, you, you read about the, those missionaries and people getting their heads cut off. I have a pastor friend that lost his son, lost his wife and child in a Muslim country where they were killed for their faith. Listen, listen. He, there, th- this gospel is about power, and he's saying, "I'm telling you something's gonna happen, guys. We don't experience that in the United States." I'm gonna say something offensive, but the church is soft. This, the church is soft. Listen, we get a little trouble, and somebody offends us, or something. I'm like, "Whoa!" But Jesus says, "Look at guys. I'm writing you this to toughen up your skin a little bit in the faith." Don't be offended by what's going to happen. Don't be offended. In fact, yeah, you might be kicked out of some things. You might not be in the in crowd. You are not be in the cool crowd. You are not be in the accepted crowd, right? In fact, you might lose your job. You might even lose your life. You might lose a lot of different things when you begin to to follow me. You remember Saul, who was later called Paul, who was a persecutor of the church. He was a, a Pharisee high-ranking Pharisee, probably a, a, a part of the Sanhedrin. He was like a everybody looked at the Paul. Paul in the day in the religious institution was like the mentor, like, like the, the top cat, the top dude, like the top boss. And he went after the church and he persecuted the church. In fact, on his way to Damascus, because he had orders to go persecute, per- persecute the church, he, got a, he heard from Jesus said, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And then God knocked him off his horse and he saw the great light and he came to conversion. He came to know Christ and that cost him something. It cost him his prestige. It cost him his power. It cost him his prominence. It, it cost him all. It cost him his reputation. It cost him everything when Jesus touched that man. It cost him something. I wonder why Jesus writes in Luke, have you considered the cost to follow me? There's a cost to this. But I want you to understand, even in the midst of the hardships and the persecution comes, nobody can stop the work of God. Nobody could ever stop the work of God. But let me tell you something. There are people in the church that will try to stop the work of God. There are people that will try to stop God's kingdom agenda. There are people in there that will come and cause trouble within the church. You might even call them wolves. But the reality of this, nothing will ever stop the word of God. In fact, even the resurrection of Jesus didn't persuade actions against his followers. They, they, you know, Don't be surprised by the hardships that we'll face for our faith. I just want you to understand that, that as we go into this new season, we go into this different season. I was troubled this week and Pastor Brent brought to my attention. And maybe you watched what was that music award show this last week or Sunday or whatever. And you had the, the number one song that won the billboard chart. And everybody applauded. was a song called Unholy. It was sang by a transgender man, a, woman that be, a man that became a woman, and a, a man who didn't have any sex. And that was the number one song. They did the they did the show there. And they, it was him wearing devil horns. And the whole song, if you, some of you might know it, was about a father who was going to a strip club, leaving his family at home to sow pleasures in the strip club. That was the basis of the song, leaving and abandoning his children and his wife for the self-pleasures. We, this is the song that the world has applauded, said, you're number one. You're number one. We've lost our moral compass. Come on, come on. Yeah. We've lost our way when we start putting values on something that will destroy us and kill us. We're we're self destructing as a nation because we've lost our way. We've lost what is true. And then when you make a stand to say, man, that's wrong. Oh, you're judgmental. You're intolerant. You're all these. And they're going to blast you because, wait a minute. It's okay for me to go sneak out of, my, out of my house and go hang out at a strip club and my wife's at home. It's called adultery. It's called lust. It's called fornication. It's called, there's all these words for that. Come on, come on. Let's just speak the truth here. I'm not going to lie to you. I'm going to speak the truth to you. You could, you, could, you could email me, text me, you know, whatever. You can online. You can write a bad Yelp report, Pastor Pizza Judgmental. <laughs> but I want you to understand that we have gotten off the road we have gone off the path that God has designed us. We'll talk about the role of the worker that way. But why? Why the persecution? Because I think verse 3 and 4 gives us the answers. Persecution comes because of lack of insight, a lack of knowledge, right? Look at 3 and 4. And these things they will do to you, this is the reason, because they did not know, because they have not known the Father nor me. But these things I've told you that when the times come, you may remember that I told you of them. These things I did not say to you at the beginning because I was with you. What was the reason of the persecution? Because they did not know God. Simple. They did not know God. There was a spiritual blindness to those that were zealous supposedly for God and persecuting the group called the way, the Christians, the followers of Jesus. They didn't have spiritual understanding so don't, don't be offended by the ignorance of those who don't understand the gospel. Don't be offended by it. Right? We're called to love. We're called to share. We're called to be witnesses. You know what the word witness in the Greek is? Is the word we get martyr. Maturo, we get the word martyr. The word we could be martyr for bearing witness of who we are. And, and we see here, like he's saying here, but this is the key. They did not know me or the Father. In fact, the word "know" is the word "gennasqu," which means that they have not come to understand who God is. they are not acquainted with Him. In fact, the word "to know" is also a Jewish idiom for sexual intercourse between man and a woman. They are not in an intimate relationship with God. In fact, we're going to get to John 17. And look what he says about salvation and the definition of salvation and what it means. It says this in John 17, 3. And this is eternal life, that they may know, kinosko, have intimacy with me, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, who you have sent. Salvation is about knowing God and relationship with God. It, salvation is not about our works, it's about do I have a relationship with Jesus? Because the, the scariest verse in the Bible is what? They did many signs and wonders and fed the hungry and cast out demons and did that. And Jesus said, depart from me for I never knew you. We can do all the great works and not know God. We could be philanthropists and not know God. We can feed the homeless and not know God. Come on. Okay. And we can even do all those things without love, the Bible says, all those works without love. The key to what Jesus is saying to disciples is that I want to have this love relationship with you. That's why I took you all the way back to John 15 about abiding, <laughs> about staying close. Because out of that abiding will bear much fruit. This is a relationship to know God. And because they did not have a love relationship with God, they won't have a love relationship with you. you he said mo- the reason why you're being persecuted is because they didn't know God, Right? But I, I find it interesting, he says here in verse four here, but these things I told you that when the time comes, you may remember that I told you them. And these things I did not say to you at the beginning because I was with you. I'm telling you these things now to strengthen you. I'm telling you these things to be ready to what's gonna come. I don't want this to be a, a surprise to you. But when they do happen and you do feel the pressure and you do feel the heat and you do feel, I'm just saying, you're gonna remember, Ah, oh, I remember when Jesus told me about this. I remember when Jesus was sharing this with me. He's prophetically, Jesus is prophetically sharing what is about to come, and yet he's strengthening them. I'm hoping to be strengthening you today, that you're feeling a little bit of the pressure of the words, but that's building your, your, your muscles, your spiritual muscles, your spiritual strength. Guys, the reason we do all these studies and have you go and grow is that we want to strengthen you Spiritually. Sometimes it's hard. I know men in my learning community, you're going through that you have to read a book a month. Man, some of you guys have not read a book in 10 years. <laughs> Listen, but let me tell you, I'm strengthening up your mind. I'm equipping your mind. I'm, I'm preparing you here because the wages of war takes place in the mind. And if I don't gear this up, you're going to be taken out out here because it starts here. Come on, come on. And that goes to here. That's why I command you, that's why I exhort you to read the scriptures so you're renewing your mind. You're strengthening your mind so when the difficulty comes, you're not gonna lose your mind. Women, you're out in the women study Hebrews. You're studying the Hebrew study. And I know my wife spent a year writing the story at the feet of Jesus, writing that thing. And let me tell you, you're gonna say, man, there's a lot of homework in this study. It's hard. Listen, persevere and get in it. Persevere and get into it because your time with Jesus is going to strengthen you from when you go out here. So when they do come and they come rag you, you're going to be ready because I have a renewed mind. Come on. And he's, he's saying these things, right? I think he's sharing this. He's sharing these things because Jesus spoke earlier. Peter, you're going to deny me, Pete, three times, right? You're already going to feel the pressure of following me and you're going to deny me three times, And what happened? Soon as he denied Jesus three times, the rooster crowed. And what did it say? I remember what Jesus said. (laughs) But remember, Peter didn't have the Spirit yet. We're going to get to that in a moment. He didn't have the Holy Spirit yet. See, the role of the Holy Spirit is crucial to the boldness that we need in order to walk. In order to stand. In order to hold our ground in the hard times. Come on. So that's the first thing, guys. Our hardness, the hard times you face is for our advantage. Don't forsake the hardness. It's doing something in you. It's refining you. It's, it's shaping you. Yeah. I remember in college when I didn't have much money and I was struggling, man. I was living on top ramen every weekend. Dude, you think I'm skinny now, but I was like starvation looking back in college. Like, me and my buddies were like, oh, we, when I worked in the projects with, with gang kids and street kids and lived inside the house of Projects, North Long Beach, Compton, there were times that we lived on bacon, lettuce, no tomato, and mayonnaise sandwich. There was a day when, when we had no food in our house, and I was with my buddies, and we're, I literally, guys, we're praying in our house, saying, Lord Jesus, we have no food in the house, we're doing ministry, just provide for our daily bread today. And next door neighbor would call, hey, bro, we just had a barbecue. You want some barbecue chicken? Woo! Man, we were celebrating. Thank you, Jesus, for the dead chicken. <sighs> but the reason is even the hardship of those times, Lord, you have a reason for dependency. He didn't say pray for tomorrow. He said for your daily bread. Don't worry about tomorrow. Tomorrow will take care of itself. What about today? What about the hardship you got to face today? So it's a day-to-day walk with Jesus. It's a moment-to-moment walk with Jesus. We, some of you live in the what if, and that's your problem. you got to live present. <laughs> Jesus, you're with me today. You're, you're walking in the valley of the shadow of death. Come on, come on. For thou art with me. Yes. You're with me in those times. So it's to our advantage to we, we have hardship. Here's a, here's, a, here's a second thing, guys. Loss is for your advantage. Loss is for your advantage. We see that in 5 to 15, right? You remember that show, The Biggest Loser? For those who watch it, Right? It's a show about losing weight, right? The ones who lose the most weight wins. The process of loss is not without its discipline, without its pain or challenges, but it has a great reward, not only in the physical and the emotional, but also in the financial, right? Whoever wins the greatest weight wins the prize, right? But in the spiritual sense, we have the same in our loss. We have a great gain. We have to lose your life and to find it. It's to your advantage. Here Jesus says, I must go that another must come. You have to experience some great loss, but you'll be made rich later (laughs) because your relationship with me will be rich. Jesus said, I became poor that you might become rich. There was loss because in our loss, we gain. So we could be the biggest losers spiritually. But he says here, don't lose heart. When I leave. Because remember, he's going, he's only hours going from the cross. They're on their way to the garden to pray, and then Jesus is gonna be arrested, and then he's gonna go to the trial, and then he's gonna be crucified. It's only hours, it's it's late at night in the evening. By the time we get to John 17 and they're praying in the garden, it could be 2-3 in the morning. So it's getting later in the evening, it's only a matter of time. But don't lose heart when I leave. Look at five and six. But now I go away to him who sent me, and none of you ask me, where are you going? But because I said these things to you, Sorrow has filled your heart. Jesus is saying, I, I want to remind you, I'm just going back to the Father that's at the right hand of the Father. I, I, I'm going back home. I'm having a, a homecoming, right? And I have a departure, date, and time. When you read about this resurrection, he gives specific times and dates. It's the Passover, and the third hour, and the ninth hour. He has a time and date, Why aren't you asking where I'm going? Now, you've been following us. We know that they did ask, where are you going? Earlier in the previous chapters. But I think what Jesus is saying here is, why isn't this stirring you up to ask more details about where I'm going? It's kind of like, I'm telling you, but you really haven't pursued what I'm sharing with you. You haven't dug deeper about where where I'm going. You haven't asked about, What's going to happen after I leave? You haven't asked about what's going to happen with you guys after I leave. You haven't asked these questions. But I think Jesus would remind them always that I will never leave you nor forsake you. But I think what Jesus is getting at here is that I know there's an emotional connection with me. You've been traveling me for three and a half years You've been with me and you saw the miracles. You saw the resurrections. You've been in the storms of, of life with me. You've been in boats and crossed lands and slept and all these things with, right? But I know and I see your sorrow. You said you were sorrowful in heart. Go all the way back to what? John 14:1. Do not let your heart be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. He was already beginning to address that. He's kind of coming full circle. Like, I know, you, I know you're still troubled in your heart about me sharing these words Why? Because Jesus is a a discerner of the heart. Jesus knows the heart of men. He knows what's going to happen to us. In Mark chapter 2, you might know the story of the man on the pellet that they bring in and put through the roof. And they drop him in the presence of Jesus, these four men. And it was by their faith of four men that this man was healed. But he says, Jesus says, because of your faith, I forgive you your sins. And the religious leaders that were watching said, "Whoa!" They begin to perceive. They begin to process in the heart. This man. Who is this man who can forgive sin? And Jesus said, "I perceive in your heart. I, I know what's in your heart. Ah. God knows what's in the heart of men." Come on. He says, "I know. I perceive that you're troubled and sorrowful in your heart. He knows when you pray today of that impossible thing that needs to happen. He knows that before you even ask it. Ah. He knows what's going on in your heart and your mind. He, he knows that and he hears you. Come on. Just like he heard the cries of God's people and the Israelites who were bondage for, for 400 years when he cried out, he says, I heard their cries. I, I see it. I perceive it. He knows when you're downcast. Come on. Come on. He's aware of it. He's aware of the disciples, right? When you hear of a loss of a friend, it can be troubling. The loss of a loved one. You've been tra- Here is, they're hearing about the loss of this one Jesus who they've been with for three years. I think it's a, little, it's a heartbreaking news they're hearing about. I think when we hear about a loss of somebody, it's troubling to our heart of a family member or, or a friend. It can be discouraging. I, I think sometimes the, that's why the Bible says, do not grieve like you have no hope. Right? We can, when we lose somebody, we can grieve like we have no hope. But our hope is in Jesus. So we don't have to grieve like we have. No, it's painful. It's hurtful. It's heartbreaking. Right? And I think Jesus is going to address that. But he, how he addresses this, I, I see your troubled heart. But listen, but the, my loss is for your advantage. My life is for your advantage. Look at seven. Nevertheless, I love that. Nevertheless, underline it because there's a transition here saying, in all that's happening, nevertheless, Jesus is an optimist. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go. And if I I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I depart, I will send him to you. Now Jesus is sharing the reason why he has to go. He shared the reason you're going to be persecuted. This is why you're going to be persecuted. Now you're saying, I got to go. I know you got a troubled heart, but this is why I got to go, that I can send you a gift that I had promised you. And I'm speaking the truth to you. I've not lied to you the whole time. You may not understand it yet what I'm doing here. You don't understand about how this is going to be for your advancement that I go. How it's going to affect your faith. How am I going to make a way for you? How am I going to provide an open door for you through the Holy Spirit? See, when we see loved ones near death, we often think it's best that they pass on. It's to their advantage. Jesus saying to the disciples, it's not to my advantage that I pass on, but for your advantage that I pass on. Because you're going to gain more through my death than for me living. Because remember, Jesus was in the physical. He was God in the flesh. He, he couldn't be everywhere. But now that he's gone, the third person of Trinity, which ah. is spirit can be everywhere and in you and can minister to you. Come on. It's to your advantage I suffer. To my advantage I'm beaten. It's to my advantage that I'm mocked. To my advantage that I put on the cross. To my advantage I put in the crow grave. nevertheless, nevertheless, Despite all that's gonna happen, it's for your benefit, it's for your advantage, because I promised you a going-away gift that you'll receive 50 days after my resurrection. We call that Pentecost. And this gift will help them in their life. This is the gift we receive by faith today. And when this gift comes, the Holy Spirit, it has a purpose, it has a role. And we're going to look at the work of the Holy Spirit. Look at verses 8 through 10. And when he comes, he will convict the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment. Of sin because they do not believe in me. Of righteousness because I go to my Father and you see me no more. Of judgment because the rule of this world is judge. The third person of the Trinity, we have the Father, Son, Holy Spirit. The third person of the Trinity is the Holy Spirit. He's introduced here. He is the Spirit of truth. He is the Converter. He is the Advocate. There are many names for the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit speaks. God still speaks through the Spirit. And the Spirit has a voice. That's how a person. Notice the pronoun he in the text. It's not a force, right? It's not Star Wars, the force. It's a person. And the third work of this person is revealed. I love this about God. He came to convict the world, not to condemn the world. And I hope you catch this, right? He came to convict the world, not to condemn the world. In fact, the word convict means to expose, to reprove, to convince, or to bring to light. the, The purpose of conviction is to bring about change in our life. The word condemn means to separate, to punish, to pass judgment. In fact, Jesus said in John three seventeen, for God did not come send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. God's purpose is not to bring down a hammer on us, Conviction drives us to God. Condemnation drives us away from God. When we sin and we fall short, the first thing we want to do is don't want to go to church. We don't want to read our Bible. We don't want to pray. We go away from God. But when God says, hey, this is wrong, boom, draw near to me. Don't run away. When, when Adam and Eve sin, what did they do? They ran away from a the God they walked to in the cool of the night every day. And they tried to cover their mess by putting fig leaves around them. And that was a sufficient. And Jesus, God went and sought them out and and brought them into his presence. That's why he loved us before we loved him. See, he wasn't lost. We were lost and he found us. We didn't find God. Oh, I found God. No, you didn't. God found you. (laughs) You were lost. You were wandering. See, the conviction. Guys, as parents... There are times when we have to discipline our children. And it's for the purpose of safety and change, not for punishment. If you think your job as kids does wrong is to punish them, you got a wrong perspective of parenting. It's not about punishment, it's about teaching, it's about training, it's about equipping, it's about teaching them how to nurture why they went wrong, it's about getting their heart of the kid. It's getting their heart and mind to say, why did you make this decision? What was going on in your mind? It's a training moment to to nurture them and to train them to get them on the right track. Punishment is not my first go-to with my kids. There might be consequences to their actions, but that's not my first go-to. My heart is, how do I build a relationship with my kids that I can train them and equip them to love God? How can I show them what the right way is? Because it's about a heart transformation. See the work of the Holy Spirit in the world is to bring about life transformation, to get our hearts, to, that God would swallow us and do this heart transplant, to replace our heart of stone with a heart of flesh. And the fruit of the Spirit is love, not hate. So, what is the work of the Holy Spirit here? First of all, it says to convict the world of sin. Right, the Spirit is to reveal truth about sin of humanity, about the world. We're humans, humanity. Right. He brings the conviction is to bring awareness of our sin. And that we can't justify our sin. See, before you can change, you have to be convinced that you are sinful. A lot of people don't think they're sinful, <laughs> okay. right? Pastor, I'm a, I'm a pretty good person. Are you a good person all the time? If you mess up once, you're a sinner because all falls short of the glory of God. God has a standard. If you stumble just once and you'll mess, you fall short of God's standard, you're a sinner. Now, if you say that I've never done that, then you lied, and that's a sin. So you just sinned. So you can't get out of it. We all fall short of God's standard, what that is. See, we are spiritually bankrupt and need God. And we often equate sin as an action against others. Like we think about, well, stealing and murder and violence. And you notice that when they always say, well, I never killed anybody. I never, it's always extreme when they say sin, right? Never about gluttony or lying or hate or bitterness, or jealousy, right? They never say those things. It's always about the extreme. But the greatest sin is none of those. The greatest sin is unbelief. The greatest sin is unbelief. Not believing in Jesus as the Son of God, it says that in verse 9, that's the sin. Not believing. Jesus said that condemnation is because of unbelief. He who believes in me is not condemned. But he who does not believe is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. The problem is unbelief, that you don't believe, people don't believe that God is, Jesus is who he is. And because they don't believe, they're not gonna follow because they don't believe. And then they send up their own moral standard and their own belief in their own ways. See, God is trying to convince us. The purpose of the Holy Spirit is to, to convict, to convince us about who he is to convict us about the reality of our sin, right? Because the fruit of our lives stems from the root of our life. A good tree bears good fruit and a bad tree bears bad fruit. You'll know them by their fruit. Our fruit is based on what we believe. And so the sin of the religious leaders, if they didn't believe in Jesus, right? They didn't, that was the sin of them. They didn't believe, that's why they persecuted him. They didn't believe who he was. They had unbelief. See, the conviction of the Spirit is to lead people to repentance, to change their mind and change what they think. But then it says, convict the world of righteousness. That's the role of the Holy Spirit. We have to be careful of our own self-righteousness. Like, we could think as a church, we could be, we're better than other people. We're not better than other people. We're saved by grace. And grace alone. Right? We We can easily equate our legalism as Holiness. We need to try harder to be more holy. Jesus ain't asking you to try harder. By faith, you've already been made holy. <laughs> By faith, you've already been accepted. By faith, he's already opened up the door for you. Because Jesus was the most righteous person, right? That's why he was a sinless sacrifice. That's why many accused him of being an imposter. Because of who he hang out with, right? They thought he was demon-possessed. Violator of the law, a glutton, a drunkard, an illegitimate child. Oh, you're the, you're the son of a Nazarene, right? Focus on Joseph and not on the father. See, the religious leaders of the day believed that they were holy because they obeyed the law, the rules, that they were better than people and they looked down on people. That's why Jesus gave that parable and story in Luke 18. He says, he spoke this parable to some who trusted in them themselves that they were righteous and despised others. Two men went into the temple to pray, one a Pharisee, the other a tax collector. The Pharisee stood and prayed thus with himself, God, I thank you that I'm not like other men, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, even as this tax collector, throwing rocks. I fast twice a week. I get tithes like all I possess. And the tax collector, standing afar off, would not so much as raise his eyes to heaven, but beat his breast saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. I tell you, this man went down in his house justified rather than the other. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, and he who humbles himself will be exalted. I'm glad I'm not this. I'm glad I'm not that. I'm glad I don't live like that. You know what it is? This and this is this. He just said, Lord, I'm jacked up from the floor up. He just said, that simple prayer, I'm going to take that one. I'm going to put that one in the bank. The humbleness that we need to have, that we're not better than anybody else. Guys, we can't throw rocks when we live in a glass house. Come on, come on. Be careful. Be careful of that, right? God was gracious enough to me. God was merciful to me. We need to be merciful to others and walk with others. But you know what the church does? The church puts requirements on people. Some churches, you got to dress up. Some churches require to have head coverings. Some churches say you don't have to wear makeup. You can't wear makeup. Some say you got to have your dress below the knees. Stop your drinking. Stop your smoking. Stop your cursing. Then they give you a laundry list of everything you got to do. Now, there are things in there that are probably not healthy. If smoke is not healthy for you. Drink is probably going to be the best for you. I'm not saying that you can't drink and have a beer. I'm, I'm not, I'm not going to be legalist like that. But the reality is when we start mandating all these things, we're, we become legalist, not, not holy. Come on, come on. Because the things that I do, if you look at Romans chapter 2, talks about the Gentiles who came to faith. And when they came to faith, they obeyed the law and they didn't even know the law. Why? Because they're a love for God. They were practicing love. They were doing all this stuff. Guys, that's where we need to be in our walk with God. We're, we're obeying the commandments and we don't even know what the commandments are. And it's just happening naturally because that's a fruit of our life, right? I'm not trying to say, oh, if I have addiction and you're sitting there with your struggle with addiction, I can't use, I can't use, I can't use, I can't use. That's torment. Come on, come on. But God, I want to worship you. I want to abide in you. I want to seek you. If I'm focusing my mind on the things of the Lord, I'm not working about my using. I'm focusing on seeking. Glory to God. Glory to God. And that's where your freedom's going to come. come on. Because we read that we, you know, we read passages that talk about this righteousness, right? Romans 3, no one's righteous, no, not one. And then we read a verse in Romans three, twenty-four. I say to you, that except your righteousness shall exceed to the righteousness of the scribes and the Pharisees. You shall, It says, of the scribes and you shall in no case enter the kingdom, Matthew 5.20. We read, be ye therefore perfect, as my Father in heaven is perfect, Matthew 5.40. You read this and say, why should I even try? Your righteousness doesn't come from, doesn't come on how hard you try. It comes from Christ. Christ made you righteous. Receive that good news. Hmm. Paul said, my righteousness is in Jesus. Just read Philippians chapter 3, 8 and 9 when you go home and find that out. But he convicts the world of judgment. It's the role of the spirit as I'm beginning to close here. There are two judgments in scriptures. The judgment for the believer and the judgment for the unbeliever. Yes, There's the great white throne judgment and the judgment seat. The great white throne judge for those who don't believe. Who choose not to believe. That, that judgment, the scripture says here, is for Satan, for the devil, for the Diablo. The purpose of judgment was to cast this wicked angel that fell, who usurped the authority of God in the garden. And Adam and Eve, what did he do? He, he, when Adam and Eve had a command, they were to obey. He could do every, have everything here except eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And they partook because the enemy came and tricked them. Satan came and tricked them. They partook. And when they partook, the, the, Adam and Eve gave up their authority to Satan. And that's how he became the God of this world, the prince of power of the air. That's how he got. Now, God is greater than that. But they gave up, guys, when you choose to unbelieve and choose to go on to do things, you just give up your authority. You just gave up your power. You just gave up everything. You gave the enemy his power. The power that God gave you, you gave it away. And God says, no, no, no. The spirit is your power now. In my name is your authority. And now you have power and authority when you call upon his name. And so the purpose of judgment was for the enemy. But what about the believer? It's not about heaven or hell for the believer. The judgment seat, and I sat at Corinth when I was traveling on the, the judgment seat. There's a place called the judgment seat where the leaders ruled men and judged men. It's a court of law. Jesus says there's a court of law. You're going to stand before God. But it's not going to be about heaven and hell. It's about rewards. So what was your motive on this side of heaven when you served me? Did you serve me because you love me? Did you serve me to glorify me? And God's going to test our works through fire. If it was for a wrong motive, it's going to burn up. But if it's for a right motive, you're going to be blessed with rewards. That's the judgment seat for believer as we stand before God. And as we close in 12 to 15, guys, the, that was the work for the world we just saw. Convict of sin, righteousness, but there's a work in the church. There's certain things we share with our children, right? When they're age-appropriate, as they mature, we give them much more to think about. It's like feeding them. If they're a baby, I don't give them steak. I don't give them steak and potatoes. They're going to choke on it. I give them milk. And you give as you go. What's going on here? This is what's going on. Jesus says, I'm telling you these things now because early on, you probably couldn't take it yet. If I, when I have chose you at the beginning 12, you're like, what, we're going to die? What, we're going to get killed? What? You probably want to, you're probably want to jump ship. For some of you, I'm, this might be new. You're like, oh, I don't know if i want to follow Jesus, right? But he says, I'm telling you now because I've had you for three years. But I'm giving you a little bit more meat, a little bit more things to think about. And the Holy Spirit is going to be your villa, right? So here it is. 12 to 15, I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. However, when he, the spirit of truth has come, he will guide you into all truth. He will not speak of his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak and he will tell you things to come. He will glorify me for he will take of what is mine and declare it to you. All things the Father has mine. Therefore, I said that he will take of mine and declare it to you. The Holy Spirit has work outside of the house and inside of the house of God. Convicts the world and he gives us revelation. He knew his time was running short, and I want to give you so much more, but I don't have enough time to do that, and so I can't. But here, the Spirit of truth, the Holy Spirit, is going to guide you on all truth. The Spirit is the revealer. He reveals the truth of God's Word. He reveals the truth about who Jesus is. He reveals the truth about our condition and what man needs to be saved, and he'll reveal what is to come. He'll reveal what's the end of the story. We see that, right? But he also will glorify Jesus. The Holy Spirit glorified Jesus. Jesus glorifies the Father. We see that. That's why Paul says, imitate God. We're to glorify God too. With our lives. But he says, I'm going to give you, he says the Holy Spirit will give you what the Father, what Jesus gives me, I'll give. The Father will give to Jesus. Jesus will give to the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit will give to you revelation. What is that Revelation. The word of God. He said, I moved them by the Holy Spirit to do. It. And the epistles, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Paul, Peter, Jude, James, all men moved by God, got the words of God for us to read today. And he moved them so we could have the words of God today by the spirit, the revelation of God, the things So he was going to impart to them to impart to us. But guys, when you study, you have the impartation of God through the spirit to impart to others. Amen. It's called discipleship. And you pour into other people. You see the Trinity at work, the Father, the Son, the Spirit, and us as the recipients of the work of God. He reveals it. So I close here, and I see this. God convicts, then he convinces, right? And then he, he commands, and then you contribute. He's convicted us of our sin. He's convincing us who he is. He's consecrating us in our walk with God. And he says we're going to be contributors to the work of God, all by the work of the Spirit. But understand, it's not going to be without his trials. Amen? Let's pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, I thank you, Lord, this morning as we close, that hardship we face today is to our advantage, to ground us in faith. That's what you're teaching us this morning. You're teaching us, Lord. We know that the loss of Christ came as a gift to the world to save and and a gift to the church to guide, Lord. We know the role of your Spirit. And I pray this morning as we're closing, Father, that your word was planted in the hearts of men and women in this room, Lord, for the good. That the work of the cross was for our advantage. It was for our benefit. And I pray today that they would receive your word. But I'm praying this morning, if you're here this morning and you're going through some hard times, going through some difficult. You're going through transitions, having hard times in relationships. I want to just pray for you this morning that the Spirit would be with you, to guide you, to give you wisdom, to give you things to make the right call at the right moment. If you're, if you're just going through some, I know we prayed. I just want you to raise your hands so I can pray for you this morning. Anybody here, just raise your I see you. I see you. I see the hands raising. I see the hands. Father, you see the hands of your people. That means their, their hands are up because they're acknowledging that they need you. Their hands are up because they're acknowledging their surrender. Their hands are, are up because, Father, they're petitioning you. They're beseeching you, Lord. And as I'm praying for them this morning, Lord, I realize that they're going through some impossible situations or things that are going on in their lives, Lord. But your Holy Spirit, come now, Lord, and fill them, Lord, and strengthen them and gird them up and guide them and teach them and instruct them, empower them, Lord, by your Spirit. We pray Your baptize your Spirit on them now that they would be refreshed and renewed and strengthen lord that when they walk out of this place lord father they've touched the heavens they taste that they found you at you're good they're not weary in doing good but do seem they're going to reap a reward father i pray that they be persevering in the faith lord father i pray that they hold their ground and not stumble lord that the times of troubles and the difficulties and the oppositions and and the pains and the hurts would not get in the way of the glory of god and the presence of God, and the holiness of God. Father, that this is your church, and we're in your Lord. temple, that we experience your Shekinah glory in a way that we've never experienced before, that when they walk out of this place this morning, Lord, Father, they're renewed. We are praying now your spirit to move mightily. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And if they're here, that somebody doesn't know you this morning, I pray they call upon your name and be saved. Because a man asks, what must I do to be saved? Repent and believe on the Lord Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins and the gift of the Spirit. So I pray that this morning in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Amen. Thanks again for joining us. Contact us or learn more at our website, newvision.city. See you next time.